0: Hello, we're back with another episode of For Your Reconsideration, to take a look at a long-term inmate on cinema's death row, to see if their crimes do indeed warrant that lethal injection, or whether they deserve a last-minute reprieve, maybe even complete exoneration after a false conviction. We'll see, it's me Rob, (laughs) and here are Simon and James, how are we boys? (laughs) I'm very good.
1: Another stellar intro. (laughs) Uh,
2: This might seem like a gimmick, but uh, for the listener's benefit, Rob does not tell us what he's going to say say during the intro <laughs> <laughs> half of the week
1: is just writing new ones how are you going to be able to maintain this
0: i you know it's i'm going to see it as a writing exercise you know <laughs> just come up with a new way to try and find, to pick something and give it redemption somehow i'll keep going i'll keep going what well, um how are you guys doing have you been watching much this week
2: Oh, I'm great. Uh, James, do you want to go first? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's mostly been a TV comedy week for me this week, so it's really good at the moment. You've got Veep coming back, Barry, which I mentioned on a podcast either last week or the week before, uh, which is excellent still, Fleabag, which ended this week forever and ended perfectly. Um, the first series of that was absolutely brilliant, but the second series is elevated it to true british comedy classic for me so wow, i think wow really i'm halfway brain. through
1: series 1 at the minute it's really good
2: series 1's brilliant but this second season is fantastic like wow. really pretty flawless um and uh, movie wise i uh, what did i watch this week oh yeah i've got it written down here like an idiot um <laughs> So, with The Wife, we watched uh, The Miseducation of Cameron Post, which was released last year. Ah, well, Chloe Moretz. It's really quiet and poignant. It's not hysterical or anything like that. It's really naturalistic in the well, way that it's played. All the performances are great, uh, very understated, and it's got this nice sort of lived-in feel to it without going too overboard on the 90s nostalgia. So, yeah, yeah, mm. I, uh, uh, it was enjoyable. It's a, a, a very good drama.
1: Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I've heard that's really good. Yeah, yeah. Keep it with like the understated performances. I watched um, Leave No Trace this week, which is uh, Deborah Granick's first feature since Winter's Bone, which was ages oh, that ago. That was a beaut as um, well. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's amazing. So that's about um, an ex army veteran and his teenage daughter who sort of live off the land in a national park in Portland. Yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah, like there's nothing. Sinister about it. It's just like good, honest people trying to live their lives. Uh, Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, it's a fantastic film. That cool, cool.
1: Like a really subtle, understated performance from um, Ben Foster, who I usually find to be really, really over the top, which (laughs) we will touch upon, no (laughs) doubt, later (laughs) in the episode. Uh, I wouldn't say he's quite as understated in this particular. (laughs) 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 We're discussing (laughs) this evening, but. So, yeah, more to Ben Foster shortly. Uh, And then also watched. um, You're you're going to find this out sooner or later, I guess, uh, listeners. But my uh, girlfriend's favourite genre is 90s disaster movies. Uh, (laughs) That is a (laughs) serious
0: genre, as well, by the way.
1: It's a serious genre. And it's quite abundant in that era. Yeah. Uh, We watched Deep Impact because I'd never seen it before. It's
0: good. You've never seen Deep Impact?
1: No. Really enjoyed it. It's good, isn't it? It I (laughs) was
0: Armageddon. Yeah, I I, I, it could be one for this pod, you know, Deep Impact. Yeah,
1: I'm interested to see what it sort of got on reception, because obviously Armageddon was a much bigger movie. I remember going to the cinema to watch that. So
2: Deep Impact sort of passed me by. I imagine Deep Impact got better reviews oh it must have done yeah it's, yeah I thought it was ice. Really it's, it's just
0: it. a touch more cerebral than uh, Armageddon yeah. I think
3: let's go up to that rock and blow the fucking thing out of the goddamn yeah. sky <laughs> USA USA <laughs> USA
0: and, and they do the
1: uh, you know they, in deep impact they actually send astronauts to do a digger's job <laughs> rather than the reverse of Armageddon
2: <laughs> <laughs> on, uh, on the Armageddon uh, uh, director's commentary there's a bit with Ben Affleck who sounds incredibly (laughs) pissed during it and apparently he raised that point with Michael Bay at the time, like why wouldn't you just train astronauts to drill instead of drillers to be astronauts? <laughs> and he anyway, just went, Oh shut up, Ben
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, that's, that, I I yeah, I remember hearing seeing a clip of that Ben I thought I think it's very funny. It's very, very funny. Uh what have you been watching, Rob?
0: Uh well actually I'm I'm uh we're getting together tonight while I'm on holiday. Um I'm uh, down uh, in the Norfolk Broads, where it's a lot sleepier and quieter. So I've not I've not really been um, watching too much, if I'm honest, but I did manage to squeeze in a movie, and it was uh, the animated... I think, you know, it's going to be looked at fondly as time goes by, but the animated movie, um, Sing. Uh, you know, the one where Matthew McConaughey's a koala bear? I have seen it, Rob. <laughs> as you know, I also have a youngster. Is it Garth Jennings who did that? Mm-hmm.
1: Is that? Is that Garth Jennings?
0: In the midst of trying not to tear my hair out, I'm afraid I didn't look at the... Uh, the credits on this one—it's <laughs> pretty good, to be fair. I like it. I like it. It's got—it's got the best ever scene of a koala in underpants washing a car to the the strains of Nessun Dorma. You're going to find in any mainstream movie. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I enjoyed it, and the kids like it. It's actually one of those, you know, when. Um, you uh, find a movie that you can watch and quite enjoy it and the kids can watch as well and they enjoy it that is gold dust. gold dust. so it yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, go, yeah. goes on quite a lot sweet spots yeah spot. yeah but going in a totally different tangent from watching things with your kids this week's movie is the 2004 <laughs> pre-Marvel Cinematic Universe offering of The Punisher starring Thomas Jane
3: them all. Live once more, die once more, no! but in time, your time will be no more. I wrote that for you. i will say it at your funeral.
2: You're supposed to be dead.
3: We're really sorry
2: about your family.
3: What do you think he does?
0: Get everyone in. We're going hunting. This is not vengeance. No, it's not vengeance.
2: It's punishment. Call the Russian. <laughs>
3: Took everything from me. Big Castle dead! Those who do evil to others will come to know me well. No one's ever stood up for me before. Call me the Punisher.
0: Shouldn't play with knives. Initial thoughts, boys. Um, you know, when I picked it and suggested it, what did you guys think?
2: I was quite looking forward to it. I've seen it before uh, and I remember quite enjoying it. So I was quite looking forward to watching this one. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Sai?
1: Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I was like definite shooing to be on a list for this. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I remember having quite a lot of fun with it. When I watched it, and then also equally remember everyone slating anything. I
0: know I know I know like I, I, I mean this is obviously what is it two thousand and four um the reason why I would pick it is just the reasons that you guys have both highlighted in that at the time, I really enjoyed it, and I felt that its absolute slating was really quite unfair. Yeah, I so thought it's just there's quite a lot to enjoy about it, you know. And again, it's one of those films that depends on your frame of mind, whether you know what you're in for. Absolutely. But if you yeah, yes, and we're definitely back on sort of hard target territory, uh, like we were a few episodes ago. Of course
2: we are. You've picked it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The Venn diagram of Rob's films is just surrounded by hard
2: time.
0: How do I get back to Jean-Claude Van Damme? And then, and then we we go off piste with Clique. Yeah, how do we do it? That's right. I said Clique. I, I why did I go French? The Adam Sandler film Clique. That might end up on the cutting room floor. Uh, <laughs> nope, no, it won't. No, it won't. <laughs> Mark it, si. uh, Yeah. Um, so when was the last time you guys watched it? I mean, uh, have you watched it recently? I mean, Sai, you came over for a beer at my place maybe six years ago, and um, we ended up watching it while my kids were in bed. Do you remember that?
2: All right, well, thanks for the invite, Lads.
0: <laughs> When
2: else have you been getting together without no, me? No, no. <laughs> It was last week, James. Sorry about
0: it. No. (laughs) I'm going. See you. James, you, you reliably were not available. So um, um, sorry, not reliably that you were not available. Sorry, you were not available. I used the wrong word. I am, <laughs> the hole is being dug. Keep digging. I exactly can still here. see you. You were you not available. So we, so we, we, we that. And Si was up from London, and this is the biggest hole. I'm going to pitch myself right into it. Uh, no, at this event, however, we only went to the local pub. You know why am I trying to justify it? It was six years ago. <laughs> it
1: was ages ago.
0: You know, at this go. point the bio for the episode, you know, the notes are writing themselves, you know. <laughs> the hosts out. This is out the last
2: they're... episode of <laughs> yeah. Before Your Reconsideration.
0: <laughs> <books>. Season finale.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: An unspeakable rift <laughs> between the trio. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine the the downloads <laughs> podcast combusts within 10 minutes <laughs> no, they haven't even discussed the film yet it <laughs> all went wrong anyway yeah um so you two
2: are having a nice romantic evening watching it with without yeah yeah it. that's right yeah off you go yeah.
0: um yeah yeah uh and um yeah that was last time i saw it um i had it on blu-ray then i've still got it on blu-ray now uh james what about you when did you last see it do you care <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: No, no. The question right. um, is not designed uh, to rub
0: salt I, in the wound. You know? <laughs>
2: I think I saw it uh, j- uh, probably when it was released on DVD after it just come out.
0: Oh, also, quite uh, a long time then. In which case, yes,
2: yeah, yeah. Probably within the, se- the same year
0: that it was released really? in
2: cinemas. Really? So so how, 2005, how, 2005, how, yeah. how
0: was how was time um, how was time treated uh, the Punisher?
2: Uh, I think there's some good stuff in here. Mm. I think there's some other glaring bits it's quite an interesting time so this is the first comic book film that we're doing isn't it yeah uh, so far i think on the pod and yeah you i got an impression and i don't know about you guys when they were watching it is like obviously the punisher isn't a sort of uh it's based on a comic book but he's not really a superhero in the same way mm, as spider-man yeah. or daredevil or batman is mm. so i think they were sort of like what do we do with this like is it are we doing a hardcore revenge movie yeah or is it a comic book sort of pulpy thing and uh, we'll get onto this as we go through but there's <laughs> major sort of tone shifts oh i know quite like, like, like jarring I
0: know. throughout the across films. every aspect of production as well you know um yeah i think um this was um i remember the marvel cuz this was one of the first times you see the marvel sign come up in front of something yeah. or give or take you know there was daredevil was one before it there was obviously spidey in 2001 you've had blade the x-men movies blade and x-men yeah so, so it's not really the first one at all. No, you're talking <laughs> absolute rubbish. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's before what's now recognised as the cinematic universe, really. Isn't yes. It? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I'm trying to get at. Because I must admit, I'm not really au fait with the Marvel Cinematic Universe at all. You
2: do surprise me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Van Damme has not yet
0: featured. That's why you... No, no, no. <laughs> if he'd been given the Spidey gig, because we knew we could have done it. So you know, Wouldn't have needed a stuntman. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine that fitted Spidey suit on Van
2: Damme Full war? Right, we're not having this. I'm not allowing you to turn this podcast into a Van Damme fan club <laughs> edition every single week.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, what about you, Sai? How do you think uh, time has left? Yeah,
1: the it's, a, it's a weird one because I reckon it would have been more dated five, six, seven years ago rather than it has now. So it's gone into its sort of trough of being really dated. But now it's come out the other end and it's it's that good distance away. Yeah, yeah, that's a cool that way of You can at take it. yeah, that you can take a bit you can be like, ah, oh, this film's fourteen years old, so it's obviously gonna look like Yeah, this. yeah. Yeah. It's like really obviously in that pre Kevin Fage Marvel universe. He's a
2: producer on this one.
1: Is he now? Is he a producer on yeah, this yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't really know what it wants to be because Spider-Man came out 2002, so it was, like mm. two years before, which is this family film. And in my opinion, Spider-Man is still one of the best comic
0: book movies. I agree mm-hmm. with you totally. Uh,
1: when that first came out, it changed my life. I was just, like
0: this. Same thing. here, man. Like, Same here. It,
1: was, it was absolutely brilliant.
0: I've still got the, you know, admitting this to listen, listener, I've still got my five ticket stubs from my cinema trips that summer.
1: Yeah, it was it, it was great. But yeah, it feels, to me, it feels more like a 90s action B-movie movie like Hard Target, we spoke about a few yeah, weeks ago. Yeah. They had a script and they've gone, we need to retrofit this to fit a comic book character. Who've we got available? Yeah, yeah. Chuck a knife at a wall. Oh, the Punisher, let's write him into this script. So if you watch this as that sort of action B-movie flick rather than a comic book film, you're going to have a good time with it, I think.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I... I, I um. Looking at it through, like at it through a twenty nineteen lens, certain things really stood out to me. The, the uneven tone was one of them, but mainly was um, the practical effects everywhere was what really stood out to me. You know, because you just don't get this anymore. You know, I, I get the impression certainly that even in low budget stuff, if it's easier to do it in computer, people take that opportunity to do it. Whereas with this, they just did everything practical, mm. apart from one moment, which we'll get to, which. Is one of the most jarring moments in the whole film um but I've still I still find myself really liking this film actually still find myself enjoying it again in that if you take it for what it is kind of thing you know we're not looking for high art here but if you're looking for a good time you're gonna find a ton of that here
1: yeah it's very popcorn action yeah and it, yeah I, yeah i i I enjoyed it you know that there, there are things to you know
2: roll, roll your eyes out oh definitely of definitely, definitely
0: which we need to. We need to have a word about. <laughs> yeah, we need to have a word about. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, if we're talking about the movie look, uh, being dated, it had the obligatory early 2000s new metal soundtrack with various artists,
3: which puddle <laughs> puddle of of is a
2: staple of um,
0: Spider-Man <laughs> Two D's.
2: and Daredevil. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, there's some absolute corkers on here. Drowning Pool, Nickelback, Puddle <laughs> of Mud, Trapped. <laughs>
0: And Cedar, who were played <laughs> twice in this film. They've had a yeah. touch. She's only got one CD, Rebecca Romaine. Exactly. You know. Sorry, Mystique. Mystique's only got
3: one CD.
0: <laughs> and I'm sitting at home with my interesting selection of backstory characters who apparently are in the comics but have no relevance to what's going on at all. They're, in, they're from a different movie. They, they are, yeah. They, they're the, one of the, the missteps. I feel. I mean, I know they are in the comic books. I mean, did you guys? I will be completely honest. I only ever knew the Punisher when he uh, stepped into the Spider Man comics. I never read the, com- the Punisher exactly comics. The yeah. so, exactly the uh, same. Exactly the same.
1: When he was when he was in the cartoon from the Spider Man cartoon. Yeah, the yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So I don't. I don't really have any reference for the characters. So I've had to look into. You know why are these characters in here? You know the because. Again James this is usually your <laughs> your your step in here but um there are going to be spoilers here because we're going to discuss the movie front to back um but yeah these these characters appear when uh, Castle comes back from the dead and he's um laying low um at a sort of a tenement building and um they're very very sort of gaudy caricatures these characters i mean one's a sort of a morbidly obese italian slob uh, with a cartoon face, with a cartoon face, and cartoon dialogue as well. And the other one is good old Ben Foster playing it um, very sensitively, very tentatively. I might. Say. Do you know
2: that? Do you know that guy's actual character name?
0: Oh, don't, I don't, James.
2: I don't want to say it. I
1: don't want to say it. I can No, it's very offensive.
0: It. You can't <laughs> it say it. But it's like it's because it's never mentioned in the film, so you don't need to. You don't need to have it on IMDb, but they do anyway. Yeah. It, anyone... Well, you
1: just get the like in the film. He, he he refers to him as the other Dave. So I thought that's what it was. I thought they were both called Dave. <laughs> but yeah, his his actual name. Oh yeah.
0: Ooh, we can't say I'm that. Say Listener, that. Go on, if, you, <laughs> if you want to really um, open your eyes, go on IMDb and look at what he's really called. But um, I don't think we really need to go there on this one. Um, no. But, no. Uh, yeah, because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add anything to what we're talking about here. Um, right, I think what we'll do, we jumped a little bit forward. Let's go right a little bit back. So we've established that um, obviously this film was a, a 2004 release. Um, uh, James, actually, what was the, the box office? It was directed by Jonathan Hensley, whose back catalogue hasn't been... Too, isn't too stacked, but um, it is. Uh, his writing um, credits are a little bit stronger. He did last year's Welcome to the Jungle, the uh, the rock movie. Uh, not Welcome to the Jungle. What's it called? Jumanji. The Jumanji Jungle. Uh, it's jungle. not
2: his. I think it's just based on characters in the original. Screen oh, seriously? Play, so he did the original Jumanji? And I think he's sort of like a bit of a hired gun when it comes to big budget ah, action like stuff. A There's a lot of rewrites. To dude. Yeah, yeah. Ah, but um, I've got cool. a few of his credits here. So obviously he wrote Die Hard with a Vengeance, which is the best Die Hard sequel without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so Easy good, that uh, Jumanji and Armageddon as well. He's got screenwriting credit on. Um, he's probably done countless uncredited rewrites on big budget movies. So he's got exec producer credits on like Gone in 60 Seconds and Con Air. So I imagine he's probably taken a pass at those scripts as well. And uh, in preparation for this episode, I was actually um reading through an interview that he did with IGN around the time that this uh, film came out. And he discusses a script there called Gemini Man which is uh, he was hoping to maybe direct after this one. That film is coming out this year, so 15 years Whoa, later, wow. directed by Ang Lee, starring Will Smith, fighting a younger version of himself. It Whoa. sounds absolutely mental, and I can't wait to see it. <laughs>
1: There's a trailer and everything. I've never heard of this film. Yeah,
2: it's like a proper Bruckheimer, old-school high-concept really? action oh, thriller. Yeah. Nice.
1: Oh, hopefully it's Will Smith back to his best, because
0: he's had some proper duds recently as well hasn't made a good film
2: since well I am legend and that's got problems as well
0: <laughs> that sounds like you know someone on a psychiatrist couch is it's got problems <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> CG zombies is, idea, yeah. is that what was, the, uh, what was the budget of the movie James you asked me what the budget was didn't you sorry <laughs> yeah. no it's alright it's alright yeah it's uh, the budget for the film was 33 million dollars and it made 54 700 mm. worldwide now, I don't know if that £33 million includes the marketing costs as well, because if it doesn't, then that's barely breaking even. Yeah, yeah. But what I did find out, uh, doing a little bit of research, is that when this got released on DVD in the September, after, after the theatrical release, it sold 2 million copies in one week. Whoa,
0: whoa, smashed it.
2: Yeah, so they were going to do a sequel with Hensley and Tom Jane again, but I don't. I, I think because it didn't do great theatrically, they still wanted to keep the budget relatively low, and they couldn't agree on story, and then it all ended up falling apart, and then it got rebooted again in yeah, two
1: thousand and eight. Yeah, um, that war was it? Warzone? Zone. War um, Yeah. Stevenson. Yeah.
2: yeah. God, that
0: one wasn't so good. That one. That
1: and that that went more leaned more towards the comic side of it. I think it was a bit more sort cartoon of violence. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very stylized as well, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. This one's pretty like gritty and realistic i found anyway fairly graphic uh, this
0: one yeah i, I read really as well confident. that um uh hensley uh wanted this to be like a really big budget thing so he wanted like 65 million uh but because the studio wouldn't give it to him he had to keep rewriting the script and paring it down and getting rid of stuff to- completely to get it down to that budget um which is why i think that the the original cut of the film is three hours long <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, there are moments you can tell. The oh yeah, it,
0: I mean, there's there's a few bits I'm really desperate to bring up, um, but um, yeah, whole subplots axed, wiped out, and and the film at the minute is two hours four minutes. Yeah, you know, so it, it's not the leanest film. This, mm. you know, I think it's too long. I agree to with be you. Honest. I totally yeah. agree with you. When it gets when it gets going, that last forty minutes fly by, but there is a lull. There is a you know. It, yeah. it, it, there's a lot that It's lot...
2: all in the second act that's where all the bagginess is. Yeah,
0: you're right, man. You're absolutely right. What was the uh, uh critical reception, sigh? Uh,
2: not great. Uh, <laughs> that's <what he> said.
1: <laughs> if we if we take a sweep across the board of everything. So, I mean, if we go to our Rotten Tomatoes, critical as it at 29%. Oh. Which I think might be the lowest one we've done so far, actually.
0: It could well be, yeah.
1: Twenty nine percent horrendous. Seems a bit harsh. Uh, yeah. It, it does. is in it. it is. Uh, Metacritic, thirty-three out of a hundred, so fairly similar there. Um but the audience figures for both are on the complete other side of that. So the audience on Rotten Tomatoes is sixty three percent with Metacritic. Oh nice. Metacritic eight point eight out of ten. Whoa.
0: That's that, I was not expecting that at all.
1: So it seems to have definitely resonated with audiences more than
2: Critics, I think. Uh, With the audience scores, though, do we take that with a little bit of caution because we know what comic book fans are generally like? And that's a property that they like. Like I've looked at um, so just to let the listener behind the curtain a little bit. We're recording this on the eight, on April the twelfth, right? So the new Hellboy film has just come out today, and yeah. I think it's twelve percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Sheesh, <laughs> man. It this afternoon, Ugh. it's getting an absolute duffing. I,
1: I saw yesterday, especially, it was raining shit on old <laughs> David Harbour. But uh, uh, yeah, today today a few more positive, more a more sort of forgiving reviews have come out to sort of drag it up a bit. But yeah, oof,
2: yeah, oof. Oof. It was getting a right kick <laughs> earlier today, anyway. Um But on the uh, on the audience score, it's got like seventy eight percent from twelve hundred reviews. Really, also. they haven't even seen it. it; only came out today. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, you
1: do have to take that into <laughs> But then also, as well, like your audience scores are obviously taken into viewings what have happened from release to present day. I mm-hmm. guess, whereas. The critic reviews are all at the time it came out.
0: Of the moment, yeah, particularly on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, that's that's interesting, yeah. Which is why I like when we look back at our um, uh, at the reviews that, say, si, you often point out that this is quite a recent watch. You know, if you're telling, telling us a review, you say, so he watched it recently, and I think that's actually really important, you know, because watched through a contemporary lens.
1: Yeah, I think so. Especially when you get, like, teenagers watching it who, you know, wouldn't have been... You know, they were they were like four years old when it came out, so they obviously hadn't had seen it at that point, and that's always yeah, interesting yeah. as well, like generational opinions on it, especially films what are like this old. Because it, I was surprised at how old it was actually. When you're like, yeah, oh, fifteen years, that's not that long ago. Hang on a minute, it's fifteen years ago. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Man, we're getting old.
1: Oh,
3: when I was young.
0: <laughs> and I could listen to new metal and watch Thomas Jane. <laughs>
1: With his top off offer, 85% oh, of the movie. Four.
2: Four. With good-
0: <laughs> One for the ladies. <laughs> He's had a couple of tuna sandwiches, that boy. <laughs> Sorry, no bread. I assume no bread. You can't look like that if you eat oh, bread. Oh, no,
2: yeah, yeah. It's just eggs, non-stop, <laughs> for four months. <laughs> you know, Ass. hot bod, guffing like nobody's business. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the production for The Punisher was just one big hot box.
2: <laughs>
1: That's why he didn't get the sequel. It was nothing to do with
0: budget. Yeah. No one could face it. They, they don't put me in a room with Thomas again. Jane again. <laughs> they couldn't crew the movie. <laughs> can, we, right, can we go right to the, beginning, the very beginning of the film? Because I found the, the score to this film to be one of the more fascinating things. And I'm not talking about the new metal stuff. But the score is a meandering journey. In this film, of, the score
2: is like two separate scores yeah. pushed together.
0: Yeah, you get—I mean, you get all. So it starts off with this like Western stylized score, at which the is amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> oh, the little wee bugle in the background giving it large—it's Oh, it's incredible. Uh, and and then the lovely, you know, the bullet animations and all this kind of stuff—all very open cool. Sequence, gorgeous. It's like, really good, isn't it? Got it's, got into yes, it great. Yeah, really yeah, nice. Yeah. And and I wish they'd stuck with that motif because whenever a kid comes on, you get this curious oboe, like, you know, like, oh, I'm supposed to find this childish now, you know. And it's like music giving, you know, telling you exactly what you're supposed to be feeling and doing or what the movie, not just what you're supposed to be feeling, but what the movie, and this is probably why the tone shift feels so obvious at times, because it jumps along. And then you get, like, blues later on. Um, But you get to the end, you've got these sort of operatic Sicilian vibes going on. It's It's a chaotic score, um, at best yeah it's all over the shot yeah
1: yeah yeah i thought the score was the thing what ruined the whole film actually
0: yeah you could be right man actually you know apart from the opening there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i think that really did drag it down it didn't match what was going on on screen at all not at like, all it no, felt no. like they just no had a score jettisoned it last minute and then at a nip down to the shop and just get <laughs> it, it didn't it did not suit anything at all and and music it it, it sort of proves how important music is oh definitely yeah.
0: definitely because and especially like it was like trying to lead you into sort of emotionally lead you but it just left me scratching my head quite a lot more than 18, yeah, yeah. There's
2: like these, like all of a sudden it's like uh so th- m- when it's most jarring is uh we have that like fantastic sort of credit sequence with the Western themed kind yeah, of yeah. um motif in- within the music. And then all of a sudden we're doing this uh de- this dodgy deal down at the undercover deal oh, down yeah. at the docks, and then all of a sudden we have we get like a Danny Elfman esque sting like yeah, it's Batman eighty nine. Yeah. 89. yeah, yeah. Like- and That's do you think so the studio weird, heads are just Studio heads are just going like, we've got to remind the idiots in the front row that this is a comic book film.
0: <laughs> you know, again, yeah, you might be absolutely just right. complete contempt for the audience. Like, I can't <laughs> I don't understand it at all. Yeah, James, that leads straight into, obviously, the, the start of this film where we open with this... Um, well, it was it's like a deal going wrong where... Um, Thomas Jane is doing a lovely South African voice uh, and he looks like Stander, this character that he plays eventually, a uh, South African, um, I think he's, what is he, he's a duplicitous cop bank robber, I think. Uh, to be honest, I think I started that movie actually I came out
2: before this.
0: Did it? I thought I it came so, out after, yeah. but, like, but I'd be very very again, my grip on the facts doing this podcast is tenuous <laughs> best. um and he's sort of he's lowered in um James Carpinello, who is the son of john travolta 's character howard saint uh and this um he, I best describe him as like a nerdweed Casey affleck um <laughs> you know the sort of the side the sidekick guy, and he features later on i you know i 'm going to have to find the guy 's name um but he's um, Mickey you're talking Mickey, about Mickey yeah that's the guy Mickey the yeah. Ocean's um, Eleven guy the
1: one who's in Ocean's yeah Eleven, that's the guy yeah.
0: that's the guy yeah you got it you got it um, and um, they're doing this deal um, and it all goes wrong and this is where you were talking about the, the score shifting lurching to this comic book Elfman sweep um, and he gets shot to pieces it goes terribly wrong someone gets killed I don't know who's keeping track of the bullets in this it is the shoddiest police work of all time. And somehow squibs have gone off and Frank Castle <laughs> appears to be dead. Yeah. Someone gets waxed. Oh, no, it's it's Howard St's son is dead. And, um, yeah, it's all gone wrong. But do you guys have any thoughts on that? Because I'm bursting to talk about what happens next.
1: Well, I'm just like, like th- Tom, like, that whole bit is, it was a massive botch job. Are they really gloss over it? Like... You've got Tom Jane there looking in his lovely like in his lovely suit, looking like a cross between Hans Gruber and the Man from Del Monte. And he he lets all these like what about two or three criminals get shot by the police, including himself, which is you know it's you know all a ruse. Uh, But (laughs) I'm, I'm amazed that they let people get shot and killed in during a. During a stink operation.
2: Who on the SWAT team is really... The guy you had to, like, fire blanks at Tom Jane. Like, <laughs> that's not ideal, is it? When you're going into a situation where the baddies have actual guns and all you've got <laughs> yeah, is blanks yeah, to pull off the stunt.
0: <laughs> what if they shoot back at me? Don't... You've got to focus on shooting in the direction of Otto Krieg. That's the character's name, Otto Krieg, which... You know, literal translation is something like, Arthur War. <laughs> <laughs> Appropriate. It's a good name for a villain, that. I quite like that. Um, yeah, after that happens and you get that lovely, um, the body bags are everywhere and one of the body bags opens up and Thomas Jane emerges to that lovely...
3: <laughs>
0: and, he's, <laughs> and he's suddenly out. And then, right, this is where I'm lost for words. And this is where I think so much of this movie is, is gone. You know, like, is, is on the cutting room floor where he retires immediately and literally says to his partner, um, enjoy the paperwork. (laughs) He doesn't bother doing any protocol whatsoever. He's involved in this massive botched operation and he just jeffs off immediately. Now, the guy, I'm sorry, boys, I've got to keep going, because this did my head in so much. They walk into some extremely cloying dialogue and his partner's like, congratulations on retirement to not just the greatest cop I've ever known the greatest man I've ever known. <laughs> and then, you know, like I'm thinking like, oh dear, you know, where was he for the rest of the film? Literally. Where was he? He makes one appearance later on when he's uh on the steps and Castle's Back from the Dead. And he's not like, mate, the greatest man I've ever known. You're alive. No, he's just like, yeah. Oh, Blimey, you know, that is a uh, jettison subplot. I thought it so must be, mate. I thought there's it an must
2: extended be. version of the film because if two hours and five minutes of The Punisher wasn't enough, there's a 140 minute version. <laughs> you can really go for
0: serious punishment then if you really want to. Yeah,
2: uh, and that character's name is, I believe, Jimmy Weeks, who's yeah. like Frank Castle's partner. And yeah. like his his best friend within the FBI, his whole subplot gets jettisoned. Where apparently there's a subplot whereby he's the one who sold him out to the Saints because yeah, he had, uh,
0: right. He had that's, ne- that's never told,
2: is it? Because um, and and then Frank catches up with him, finds out, and makes him kill himself. Oh, oh
0: wow, that, that is what I want to see. I, I think see they that d- stuff. they
1: they probably yeah. That's a shame that gone really, isn't it? Because
0: yeah, I'd much he, rather see that than some of the buffoonery with Bumbo and. Uh, Dave, I'd much rather see that than watching them do meatballs and whatever it was, and saying you've got to try my tiramisu or whatever it yeah, was. Because you know? when it go- when it goes back to like Travolta, are we
1: are we jumping too far ahead, getting into no, Travolta we- town?
0: Because <laughs> we-, we are spending some time there. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. We're going there. We need to
1: spend some time. With Travolta. We're going
2: to put more effort into this role than he did. That's for <laughs> oh. sure.
0: Oh.
1: A disgrace! <laughs> when he gets told about, uh, when he gets filled in about Frank Castle and his involvement in his son's death, Travolta's right-hand man, um, his incredible henchman name, Quentin Glass. Right.
0: <laughs> so let's, let's get on to this guy. He is unbelievable. Facial hair alone, like four.
1: He's the best thing, isn't it. Will I think Patton, he's the best thing, isn't it? He
0: is unbelievable in this film. I mean, and I think he's brilliant in everything I've ever seen him in, to be honest. But... I think he's so good. He's he's like ten times the villain that Travolta is in this film. Oh yeah.
2: Well, do you know that the the Howard Saint character isn't even canon from the comic books? He's created for the film. Oh seriously? No, totally made up. Was he? He's not even a villain. Yeah. In the in the comic book universe,
1: he's completely made up. Oh my god. As is Quentin Glass, which I was surprised about because I was like, Quentin Glass I'm is surprised. a great name. Um, so yeah. what
0: you're saying is they forced Bumbo and Dave on us because they're canon and Joan. But- and Joan right, no, Joan can stay. she's fine, but um, <laughs> mystique's all right. we don't have any problem with mystique, but they they will happily invent villains, but we've got to have those secondary yeah. weirdos yes, yeah. right that's
1: this is what I was like saying before about like this is it really feels like a script had been knocking around Hollywood for years, like this revenge film, yeah. And it was totally just retrofitted to align with the Punisher.
0: Maybe even like Travolta was attached to it. You know, yeah, and, and those like, two well, villains, and, you know,
1: like, because it's just bizarre. Like, villains are like the biggest things in comic books. To and to yeah. not have, not to take a villain from the comic book just seems really bizarre. Very surprised that like, Quentin Glass was one. I'll
2: tell you what would have been awesome. Glasses. So, <laughs> there's a bit of jiggery pokery over the next few scenes whereby Frank Castle's going off to. Puerto Rico for a family reunion and a family
1: barbecue
2: exactly yeah. <laughs> the worst family barbecue in history I, I was at a family barbecue <laughs> and um, Howard Saint is like dead set on like tracking down whoever's responsible for um, killing his son who looks like a de-aged Ralph Macchio by- <laughs> <laughs> he's a twin as well so we get lots more of de-aged Ralph Macchio because they're played by the same person oh
0: seriously yeah yeah I did not know this Incredible.
2: So anyway, yeah, Howard Saint finds out that it's Frank Castle who was running the sting, and he's an undercover FBI. Thing and they're like, right, go and kill him. And then all of a sudden, uh, his wife chirps up, and she's like trying to do this whole like Lady
0: Macbeth type thing, and she's like, yeah, yeah. kill his
2: entire family yeah, what as well. Bitch?
0: What? A yeah, that's heavy. That I mean, that.
2: But was... would the film not have been much better if she was the big bad? Yeah, yeah. And well, or if Travolta had just tried, just done anything, <laughs> his wigs doing more work than he
0: is. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, no. During that period, those little scenes that you're talking about, James, when uh, Castle's going off to Puerto Rico, and um, oh, what's his name now? Uh, Saint is you know grieving for his son. I quite like the family juxtapositions in a filmy way. You know, you've got. Lots of positive father-son stuff going on, you know, of like going on to other stages of life. And you've got one guy burying his son. The cutting between the two, three or four times, was quite cool. I thought. I mean, again, I still can't get my head around Castle Jeffing off before the case is actually closed. He just leaves everyone picking up the pieces for his involvement.
2: Hey, it was his last job. This is his last job. Also, this isn't a retirement party. He's not retiring from work. He's he's like thirty-seven years old. (laughs) Yeah.
0: He's the greatest man I've ever known.
2: If I leave my
0: day job, they're not going to throw a retirement party for me. I'm not retiring. (laughs) They might bring a cake in and say, you know, good luck on the next chapter, Frank Castle. (laughs) Hope your family don't get murdered at a family barbecue. Yeah, (laughs)
1: And his dad's Roy Scheider as well. Right, now, so right in the mix, I was like, I, oh I, I my read,
0: god! I, I read that Hensley and Sh- uh, Hensley got Scheider the role because they live near each other in New York. Brilliant, Brilliant. The neighbors. <laughs> the ne- the neighbor was just like, like right. "I'll
1: do this whole shit piece of film if I'm only in it for like ten minutes, and I'll do it." <laughs> and it <in> said, <laughs> "I have Rego. no
0: lines." <laughs> no, he gets to say that that immense hackneyed line like, two great families come together, and you get this: my grandson." <laughs>
2: I tell you what, Schneider's been loving up the uh, the sun, haven't they? Because they've oh, shot it yeah. down in Tampa,
0: haven't they? I assume yeah. they haven't gone out to Puerto Rico to film those particular sequences. No, I think I believe it was um that set um is toilet blocks in a Floridian National Park. Oh right, yeah. So they've shot that in Tampa then, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's you know, some pretty nice toilets, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's so tanned in this movie. <laughs> oh, Leatherface. <laughs> <laughs> Jaws wouldn't even. Jaws had spit him out if he come across him. <laughs> Overdone, Rose Schneider. Yeah, he was nice, and what you get is like, can we? This cra- he looked cra- like Rob Schneider. From You know, again, this backs you up, Si, that Rob Schneider is better than Laurence Olivier. He's better than Ben Kingsley. Sir Ben Kingsley. Sir Ben Kingsley. Sir Rob Schneider. Sir Rob (laughs) of Schneider. Yeah, right. So you've got Castle's mum and dad are played by Roy Schneider and... Some extremely expendable woman who gets no screen time. The the
1: first one who gets shot as well. And he's like, he has to watch his mum. They're having a great time in the back and he looks out of a window. Here's a gunshot. And it's like, mum. And his mum's been shot in the stomach. He's like, whoa. That and is they
0: heavy. They don't seem that, that bothered is heavy. at that point. I don't know why I'm oh laughing. Dear, yeah. I don't know why I'm You have to. The trauma's so deep, sir. You, you can only laugh at this point.
2: <laughs> so Quentin Crisp and his goons get on the speedboat. <laughs> what's, what's his surname? It's not Quentin. Glass. It's, it's glass.
0: First name Quentin, yeah. last name Glass. <laughs> yeah.
2: So Quentin Glass and his goons, they go, they track down the castles in Puerto Rico and uh, in, in, invite themselves to the barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Prejudiced way imaginable, <laughs> and start gunning down every ge- several generations of the uh, of the castles. It's really brutal. To it, is, it is like, bad. It's really it is bad. Brutal.
1: and it's relentless as well. It's oh,
2: it is. Did you see the guy trying to get away on a paraglider though? Like uh, trying to windsurf his way out of trouble. No, and he it just was got a <laughs>
0: It was a catamaran, James. That's oh, right. So, renowned for its speed. Yeah, like no, I'm literally. Oh no, there's a huge. You know, there's a motorbike over there. No, no, we won't go via petrol. We'll go via wind on the sea. Well, that's yeah, how we'll sea. escape. Open. He wasn't Absolutely even at the barbecue. Open. He was just his <laughs> yes, he's just cruising the coastline. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, what's going on? Roy Scheider's there. Is he played yeah. by Rob Schneider? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, 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 we need to state this and stop laughing like, like children get massacred at this barbecue like really bad <laughs> it's really bad. Mm. really bad it's it's like really brutal it is, you I, don't sit to be fair they don't actually show any of the kids getting shot and it you wasn't just like, like a, it, didn't, you know, it was
0: just a, a, a hail of oozy fire wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. it was an absolutely horrible thing to do um, obviously <laughs> so, you know, understatement of the year award
3: I think
1: the opening uh, sequence is great I think that whole bit It's almost a film in itself, really, Mm. because you've got one revenge film there where Castle kills Travolta's son. Yeah, that's true. And then he's getting revenge on Castle for that, which then sets up... The rest of it, and I think that's why the film's so long because they've crammed two revenge movies in one.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a weird setup in that sense because it's like he almost proved how uh, Jonathan Hensley, the screenwriter and director, he almost proved how economically he can tell a revenge tale <laughs> in the first 35 yeah, minutes, yeah. Yeah. and then proceeds to spend another ninety minutes on the main one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Castle's wife and kid have been run over, and. Uh, Thomas Jane is a good actor, so he suits himself. Oh, he's, stealthy, he's amazing
2: yeah. in this. I think he's really, really good. He's, he's really good. Really, yeah, he he's does, like yeah. very committed to the role. Yeah, I like him in a lot of stuff. To be honest, I love the him. He's stuff. superb oh, in he that. Yeah. Was yeah. this
1: before the mist? Yes. After Deep Blue Sea, though, which is an absolute classic, as discussed previously. Oh, my word.
2: What a classic. Uh, I think that might be cropping up on this. Uh, yeah. Got it.
1: got it. Two references Let's already. It has
0: to. Let's keep our powder dry on that one. <laughs> uh, uh, Deepest bluest, my hat is like a shark's <laughs> me. <laughs> Less <does> never forget. <laughs> I want that at my funeral. to freak <laughs> everybody out.
1: As the casket goes into the crematorium. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Dead slow, creeping into the flames. <laughs> Deepest, bluest, my head is like a shark's fin. No I'm dead. I want all three verses. Like <laughs> everyone just has to sit there in the crematorium and listen to
0: it. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. oh, how do you how do you carry the podcast on from talking about one of its its <laughs> members' deaths? You know. <laughs> That's a
1: gorgeous Thomas Jane, of course. It is. Oh show.
0: yeah, yeah, right. So he's selling it like crazy. Um and I want to talk about Thomas Jane selling stuff later on as well, because he sells as good as HBK in this whole film. He's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, he gets shot in the chest. Um with really triumphant music underneath
2: yeah. <laughs> heroes getting gunned down on the dock. Like, am I? Like, why are we celebrating the hero getting shot, plugged in the chest? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: and Then the the dot goes up again in practical flames. I I, I love all this stuff, the practical stuff. Yeah. I know I've mentioned it a few times, but I absolutely love it. Uh, and because um, it roots it, it makes the film real. You know, yeah. you fudge yeah, stuff definitely. like that. It doesn't, and especially in two thousand and four, you couldn't have made it look realistic at all, and it was done real. Brilliant.
1: Yeah, they, just like like, like quickly flitting back to what I said before, why. This is why you know saying about that trough of 2010 where people might have thought it dated, but now it's quite good to see practical effects, and I think that's why. Uh,
0: I think that's why watching
1: it, uh, it now in 2019, you're like, oh, this is good because it's practical effects, and you don't really see yeah. that that often anymore. So it's it's nice. I'd rather to see.
0: see that. I'd rather see a practical effect attempted and failed. Like a few weeks ago when we talked about Dead Man's Shoes and Potato Head in a suitcase. <laughs> I'd rather see that than something CG'd and look so out of character and so out of place because a bad practical effect doesn't take me out of the film world. A bad CG effect does. It pulls me right out of it and I can't—I don't feel rooted at all.
2: And they date, arguably they date much worse
0: anyway. So yeah, Yeah, yeah they do, yeah. Yeah. Do, it true, Do it for real. Do it for real. Yeah. yeah, which is why I'm glad they've never done another Gremlins because it would be packed full of CGI and Ooh, it'd be awful. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, um, so he gets. <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing because there's so many. I mean, holes, it's is the
1: opening sequence. Holes, <laughs> I
0: know we've been, <laughs> we've been going for an hour, and there's, there's, but it, so he 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 gets found by some dude who's got a boat. And I'm thinking, like, well, where were you five minutes ago? What are you, you know, what are you see? He was you, running really?
2: away from the gunfire, Rob. Well, that's that's Bloody right, yeah. yeah.
3: massacre! Bloody <laughs> hell, Rob! I
2: want to see how brave you are if it kicks off on the broads tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so you rowing into danger?
0: Yeah. I'd love to see a five mile per hour gun, you know, boat chase on the broads tonight. Pow! Pow!
2: Pow! Pow! <laughs>
0: Uh, I'll, but just rest assured, listener, that if something kicks off here tonight, I've got my double denim sitting in the wardrobe ready to go. So,
2: <laughs> right, stop it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this guy looks after him. I'll take care of your castle. So, looks after him uh, and then takes him back to the beach. And they boarded up the house, but th- everything's gone. Mercifully, the bodies are all gone. That's great, but yeah, it's a few weeks later, isn't it? Because is he's it a few grown a—he's eight... got a massive beard. He's not well, lost... Yeah,
2: of course, Rob. That's the implication from the beard, isn't it? He's got his. My life is over facial hair.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> is that the official look? The, the official I title? think so. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I'm rocking that at the moment. <laughs>
0: <then>. <laughs> so he's done that, but he's not lost any muscle mass whatsoever. No, he's still tone. He's absolutely shredded, and he's. Was shot in the chest, and his scar is actually is like healed over perfectly. You know, it's healed over almost completely. Um, yep. So, I this could be anywhere between six weeks and a year for me. Yeah, I've got no idea the time. I frame I think here.
2: when he gets back to Tampa and he conv- uh, he confronts his old um, FBI pals in front of the court steps and all the reporters are there, I think they say five months. And there's been oh, really? no arrests. Quite why it would fall under their jurisdiction, I'm not quite sure if it happened in Puerto Rico, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've been really unreasonable with
0: <laughs> uh, Yeah, he, he, he comes back he finds the T-shirt that his kid gave him. The guns have not been taken, you know, this beautiful house on, on the beach in Puerto Rico, but no one's nicked the guns. Yeah, and they weren't exactly like locked in a safe or anything like that. They were like in glass cabinets. They're in a display case. Like- like- They're trying to get yeah. your attention. <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: pretty sure tourism fell quite drastically after the, the, the massacre. Yeah. Of
0: yeah, don't go to the murder barbecue yeah. don't
2: go house. To there, <laughs> it's not even the the tourists that I'm concerned about. There's like police incident tape roped off around, right? Yeah, so. The police have gone in there, said, oh, there's a load of guns there with bullets and ammunition and everything. Should we take them <laughs> with us? I can't be arsed. <laughs> I'm finishing
1: for the day. <laughs> I'll get next week, Dave. So we're here for
2: ages. No, they've, just,
0: they've just adopted the Frank Castle playbook of, oh, it's just paperwork. Someone else enjoy the paperwork. <laughs> One week later,
2: oh, Dave, you know those guns. You're not going to believe this. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know, how I said, like I couldn't be asked bagging them up, and it'd be fine. we'll just come and get them next week. No one's going to steal all those
0: guns. Well <laughs> They're not there anymore, <laughs> <laughs> and they're connected to a number of crimes in Florida. <laughs> That's not in our jurisdiction. don't worry about it, <laughs> don't worry don't. About
1: it. <laughs> One of the things I really do did, did like about this film was that they did, I mean, they had to, really, because how long it is anyway. But they didn't get bogged down in exposition that much, so... Yeah, yeah. When, when uh, Quentin Crisp is giving... The, <laughs> when, he, when he's going through with Travolta and like give it, he finds out Frank Castle's backstory, we don't know how he found it out, he just gives it him. It's like, yeah, whatever. And then when yeah. we come back... Yeah, here, yeah, yeah. When we come back after the five months or whatever it is, when Frank Castle's back from the dead, uh, he's just really pissed off and he's ready to like kill people straight away. There's no like descent into madness. It's just yeah. he's just straight away. Uh there's a lot of hard prep with a furrowed brow yeah. and he's trying to, he's doing up his car and he's he's getting all his guns ready and stuff and he's yeah, getting strapped. Yeah.
0: I love that. That's a great point.
1: I don't need that like he's he's slowly going mad or whatever. It's just like straight away. Yeah, He's pissed. He's pissed
0: and out. that's a testament to Jane as well. You know, J- that's Jane's doing as well. You know, like, it's all right, Jane's sold this already. Yeah, Jane is great. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he, go, he goes back to Florida and gets that uh, tenement building with the band of weirdos who are canon. And yeah, so he joins like an after-school
2: sitcom with three crazy neighbours. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm so surprised yeah.
1: like, that they're What canon is going on? It's so off with the rest of the film, isn't I it? I
0: know, I know. He joins a turd version of Keenan and Kel and... Um, <laughs> I didn't
1: um, didn't like the forced secondary love interest as well. Like,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm exceptionally relieved that they didn't consummate. Yeah. Well. Yes, I'm so glad they didn't pay that off because, like, you're like, oh god, don't do this, don't do this. Yeah. They were
1: flirting with it for a lot of it, and it's one of those where it's like her only point of being there is to fall head over heels for this mysterious handsome man. Who I mean, I mean, I would. (laughs) Yeah, we don't need another love interest. Like, do, give her some... She can do other things than be a love interest. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, although it seems uh, all, all she can really do is um, listen to Seether on repeat whenever she's at home.
3: Because <laughs> she's broken! <laughs>
0: You know, ironically, that song is less out of place than most of the actual soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> that's
2: not actually a bad tune, actually.
0: It? It's
1: new metal comes in here with, with Ben Foster and his his face of piercing. Oh, Ben Foster hey. in this
2: movie. Oh. You know, you, so you mentioned uh, without a trace. What's it called? Leave sorry. no trace. Right, right? Leave no trace. Leave no trace. Sorry. Without a trace, I think, is a missing person procedural (laughs) on TV. Uh, (laughs) uh, So Leave No Trace and how understated he is in that. And, like, maybe it's just because he's a better actor now than he was 15 years ago, but, oh, my God, he is gurning and chomping on the scenery with his be-pierced face. Like, oh, he's so irritating. I
1: I always found that with Ben Foster in films. Like, I never, whenever he cropped up in a film, I'd be like, oh, God, here he is again. He's charlton heston's everything and he just overacts to the <laughs> max and then um but you know recent recent years he's been great like hell or high water he was yeah great in, that. in that. Yeah. yeah great in leave no trace as like we said and then he's in that uh lance armstrong film which is great in he's good world. in that as well actually yeah, so yeah he's, that's a good he, point he's suddenly become this you know he's toned it down a bit and he's now this really really good actor you can tell he's a good if someone hams it up that much there is a good actor in there it's just they're trying to be noticed isn't it
0: yeah that's the worrying thing i always enjoyed everything he'd been in i enjoyed all his performances when he was at this period as well that even this one yeah yeah oh yeah especially (laughs) this one (laughs) no I, i think that belies you know and exposes my taste a little bit you know um i'd much rather someone swung for the fences um But there is swinging for the the fences, and then there's doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So so you like it, but you think it's rubbish at the same time. (laughs) You could be describing my DVD collection.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a Ben Foster section?
0: (laughs) There is a strong Ben Foster, you know. (laughs) Because I liked him in Alpha Dog as well.
1: But I thought he I overacted that. in that as well. I I, yeah,
0: because that's still from this wheelhouse, isn't it? From this yeah, it wheelhouse is, of acting yeah. into it, definitely. But, I, I, but I, what I'm trying to say is that I always thought there was a decent actor in there. That's oh, yeah, I'm oh, yeah, you can tell. You can definitely
2: clearly, tell that. Yeah, clearly, yeah. yeah. I think he just used to try too hard, to be honest, yeah, Like yeah. to show what a great actor he was. And now I think... He suddenly, he, he seems to have realised over the last few years that like less is more. Like as yeah. Simon says, Helen Highwater and Leave No Trace are perfect examples of that.
0: I'd like to see him front a like a a Netflix um, sort of cop drama, something Ooh, yeah. like that. You know, like a him as a cop at the age that he's at now. I'd quite like to see that. Oh yeah, yeah. Ben Foster hit us up, got the perfect project for you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> And you're welcome on the pod anytime,
2: <laughs> But don't do any of that overacting shit. <laughs> <laughs> or James you're out rooting
0: us. Rooting us as usual. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he gets a, a car, the um, Pontiac GTO, which is beautiful, by the way. Absolutely yeah, they lovely. Um, they wrecked a number of them during filming, didn't they? Um, yes. And I thought he would go about his quite like this I thought he'd go about his business quite quietly you know like learn about the saints um... well he does no but he, he doesn't he, he goes to the building halfway through the film the, their building and
2: robs them blind yeah but first he, he goes so you're missing a big section there so he goes um, he links up with Mickey again oh pretend, yeah, yeah of and course, says yeah, he's going to torture him with a blowtorch oh and, uh, yeah, yeah. but he actually this? does a fake out with, uh, with uh, a steak and a popsicle yeah nice sorry, scene popsicle ice lolly yeah an ice lolly yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're not we're not conforming. Ice folly, Right, yeah. Uh which is quite a nice fake out and stuff, and he gets Mickey to help him sort of oh, uh surveil the Saints uh and during this time we find out that what uh Travolta's um routine is, which seems to be just going and playing golf, which I assume they just took the cameras to jump when John Travolta was playing golf <laughs> <laughs> Shot that look. He's so bad in this movie. He's not bad at all. I, is this I, where, I is this where we talk about him.
1: I, I disagree. I think he is great in this because. Who? Travolta. I had so much empathy for Howard Saint as a character. I was like, I am with, I am with him. I, I'm like, his wife told him to kill all the family. He didn't do it. I'm like, he's not, he's not really that bad of a guy. He's just trying to make some cash doing some dodgy dealings. I, he's not, I agree with you. He's got gorgeous hair. When he gets angry, his hair sort of flops down and it becomes... And he he's does like, a lovely light. curtains.
0: Oh, <laughs> it's gorgeous. Um, I, I'm pretty so sure that camp. hair's not his he is at this so point. He's so camp, and it's hilarious how camp he
2: is. It, as I said, though, his wig is doing more work than he is. Oh, <laughs> it's
0: it so funny. I, I, no, I like... Because I think this is not... Um, he's not just a big bad, actually. I think, like, when I first watched it, I did see him as the, just generic baddie who's played by john, Tra- john travolta but now i see it more as a guy who's uh you know he's he's like <laughs> juggling everything all the time he's not actually his criminal enterprise isn't that great he's a money <laughs> launderer essentially and yeah, he, he's keep, basically he keeps Hallif- messing he's basically howard from the halifax <laughs> <laughs> but he's not and, and like everything's going wrong he's been set up he's getting everything's Turning against him, he's lost his son. He's trying to keep his wife happy, and I don't. I don't, I don't <laughs> he's shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying, and he's you know his his wife is flirting with Will Patton quite readily in that sort of uh, gay best friend kind of way because Will Patton's character is gay in this. But I was I, I was glad to see him in this because he doesn't bring gravitas. That's not what I think he brings here.
2: Or charisma, or threat.
0: <laughs> 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 oh, days <are> cutting review.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: and I don't hate... I mean, one of my favourite films is Pulp Fiction, which is Travolta's finest hour as an it actor. I agree so he you. can do charisma and threat quite easily. <laughs> But here, this is a paycheck movie for him, like to the point that he wasn't even asked. That he wasn't top billed on the poster. He's just like, oh yeah, give it him. I'm not really bothered. Am I getting paid either way? Yeah,
1: but he did like. <laughs> there's no thing between him and Frank Castle until the very end. No, yeah. So it's ve- I I I just I think he's a bit of a proxy bad guy. I love that. Yeah, he is. It's it's quite weird, like how he's sort of set up as this big bad. And he's not really, it's the people no, he's around him all. who are the big bads. It's his wife told yeah. him to kill the family, and then it's uh, Quentin Chris <laughs> who goes out and, and, and kill and actually does it. And all the time, all he's trying to do is like control his business because it's just Stop going, it going a
0: bit. all over the place. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> I think this is I mean, this is a tragic tale of a man whose hard earned enterprise is going down the toilet. <laughs>
2: That's uh, Rob Parker rooting for capitalism and bankers there.
0: (laughs) And victim-shaming throughout that whole podcast.
1: Uh, Travolta's a massive enigma in this film for me. I mean, he is in general anyway. Yeah. I couldn't decide whether he's like really campy portrayal of Howard Saint made it more sinister or more pantomime. And I was like, I was, I was just like, I don't, I don't know if this is good or not. I honestly don't
0: know. <laughs> no. I can't, I, I, yeah, I, it is it is very much in that I'm not sure whether this is good or not, but I, I still like what the character is and what the character's doing. A bank manager. Yeah, he's a bank manager. Yeah, yeah. He's not your usual villain, but he's a bank manager. Who also manager. Runs,
2: runs a nightclub. What a weird... <laughs> yeah,
0: He's a bank manager with a load of goonies he can send to <laughs> Puerto Rico at a moment's notice. <laughs> he's got he's got a number of lads and, oh, oh, lads and goonies.
2: You know what I was most upset about, I think, with the whole Travolta thing, was they go to the club and this is where um Frank Castle starts putting the the seed in his mind that uh that Quentin Crisp and <laughs> Olivia Saint <Good>. are having <laughs> are having an affair. And basically go to a club and you think, all oh, right, we're going to get to see Travolta dancing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no Travolta
0: dancing. He's just wearing a horrible shirt. <sighs> no, it, it, even better than that, you know, because he says to Quentin "Chris, like, could you go and dance with my wife, please? Um, that's not his accent in the film. Uh, and then um, he sits there and talks business while smoking a pipe. He bangs out an actual pipe in the in his nightclub. I mean, when you own the nightclub, that's grand.
1: I heard that was uh improved by uh, John Travolta.
0: Did you? No, I'm just joking.
2: <laughs> the cool
1: ability, I'm delighted. Like, <laughs>
2: did you really? It probably <laughs> was because he was probably just in a nightclub and they were like, oh, we better bring the cameras to go and film John tonight because he can't be asked to the set.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, then, it does, and then you know what we're talking about that where the script lurches between very, very cloying lines and good lines. There's another good line coming up because when they leave the club, he gives her some. He gives her, when they get home. He gives her some diamonds, doesn't he? Diamond earrings, and he says the beauty. You know, she says, "Oh, they're beautiful." And he says, "Without you, they're just diamonds." That's a good line. That is know.
1: a good line. I am gonna use that with my missus. Definitely.
0: <laughs> Whenever I can afford some diamonds for Missus Parker, without you, they're just diamonds. Like without you, they're just cubic zirconia. <laughs> <laughs> Without you they're just bits of tin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then then there's another really ridiculous moment of music because she obviously derobes. In, in derobes, and then the music goes full sax. Of course it does. <laughs> it's like lethal weapon. Who
1: did the Who was the composer? I'm sure they were up against it and I'm sure they got a last minute brief and they had to save the shit out of the film or whatever. Yeah. But fuck me, it's bad. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a film and been like, I've noticed so much of the music and how off it is and how bad it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. I think
0: a, a yeah. film score shouldn't be that noticeable, should it? I mean, it, if anything, it should be noticeable for how good it is. You know, well, it should complement the film, shouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hans this it doesn't like... do that in any way.
1: But again, no, no slight against the composer. I think, I think of, uh, there was obviously something behind the scenes what made it really weird. But yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, this is total speculation on my part. But Danny Elfman seemed to be doing a lot of those early Marvel films. So he did all the Spider-Man, mm. uh, Spider Man, Spider-Man? spider, Spider Spider Man movies, uh, <laughs> and the, and Hulk as well. Which, uh, incidentally, Jonathan Hensley was on to direct before it uh, collapsed, and oh, then Angley ended up doing it. Yeah. So the guy is Carlo Salito, who is an Italian composer, which I think is why the Western theme is so good. It's got that like, sort of Sergio Leone-type yeah, does, thing it? going on. Um, and I think that's probably what the director would have wanted more of, but then the studio's stepping and go, oh, no, we need some Elfman-esque
0: stuff here. Oh, yeah, this is a comic book film after yeah. all.
2: Well,
1: yeah, because yeah, because it's sp- obviously Spider Man was like big news. It probably still would have been big news at that time as well.
2: Well, I think this comes out either before or just after Spider Man Two, so it's like, yeah, it's it's a big deal. Yeah.
1: They're stuck in that awkward in between, aren't they? They don't mm-hmm. know what they're trying yeah. to do because it's an eighteen as well. Yeah, like, yeah. It's not a family movie, so you you know you don't have to bloody emulate Spider Man. But just I reckon it's a good segue into uh, another point of where music completely ruins what is a really <laughs> fucking good scene is when another wrestling reference. Kevin Nash rocks up Oh my God. And has a fight with him.
2: I'm good to bam,
1: bam, <laughs> you've got bad music going on, and then you've got those three clowns like cutting back to them, and it's just ruining this. Really good fight. Awesome yeah. Really fight good scene. scene. Really good fight scene. And he's just ruined.
0: Thomas Jane has turned fully into Shawn Michaels at this point and he's selling everything with that. I mean, oh, it's beautiful to watch. He's brilliant. Is that why it's Kevin Nash? (laughs) (laughs) It's Kevin Nash's outfit. I mean, he's supposed to be an elite assassin and he turns up like... (laughs) He just wandered off the... U.S. Well, not the U.S. The R.S.S. Vladivostok as a sailor, yeah. as Russian sailor, and swanned into this tenement. Uh, he's not an elite assassin, is he?
2: Well, he, he's quite hard to kill. <laughs> it's it's
1: he's... like Guile from Street Fighter went through a fancy dress. <laughs> on the <left> <laughs>
2: the so yeah, basically, the bumbling idiots who live next door to Tom Jane invite him round for a fake Thanksgiving. Uh, we get a bit of backstory on everybody, which is completely pointless. Uh, and then basically this Russian fella rocks up and it turns into like a like ultra-violent version of Laurel and Hardy, basically, for two minutes.
0: <laughs>
2: it does, though. It's very slapstick, and I think intentionally so, but it's it is, from a yeah. totally different film. Yeah, This is one of the biggest tone shifts I've ever seen. He pulls a gun from underneath one of his desks and then the guy hits it with a mallet and it's got like a crooked... Gun barrel and stuff oh, yeah. like that. Oh yeah, it bends it it's out all of all shape. All slapstick yeah. humor until, of course, they end up crashing into the uh, apartment of the three idiots, and then he, <laughs> he, he, he he throws a hot vat of fat all over Kevin uh, Nash's face. Yeah,
3: and it
1: goes on RoboCop, doesn't it? Like his face goes on like yeah. the guy at the end of RoboCop when he gets the toxic waste on him, and it's like. <laughs>
0: Apparently, it had to be cut. Apparently, it was too violent. The first cut, like his eyes were bleeding out of the sockets and all sorts in the first cut. Again, all practical. Well,
1: I I read that he actually stabbed Kevin Nash by accident.
0: (laughs) Yes, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And the the fight ends when they fall down the stairs um, into each other. And at the bottom of the stairs, he's a the the Russian guy is a big broken necked, crumpled (laughs) mess with the boiled head, (laughs) basically. (laughs) Uh, And it's cool, I enjoy it all, but I know what you mean, James, now looking at it like that, that tonally it is a bit different with the funny music and the comedy beats and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a bit weird, actually. I hadn't thought of it like that.
1: It doesn't fit the rest of the film at all, yeah. It's the music that ruins it. It would have been really good if it wasn't for the stupid juxtaposition of them lot prattling around with that opera song going on. It would have been completely different tone, because it was... That fight is brutal. Like he chucks him through a wall. Yeah, it's horrible. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's very and bizarre. I
0: mean, like it it looks like one of the things that um because it's a lot of the stunt work is clearly done by Thomas Jane as well, isn't it? Isn't it?
2: Yes, it seems to be. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, um, we haven't we've we've slightly jumped past actually the hilarious pro from Memphis that was called in Harry Heck. Who was the guitar? Was that
1: before that? I thought that was after that.
0: That was before. I know, yeah. Because, no, but I think it's important that we don't worry too much about getting the chronology wrong because we're talking about the middle of the film where this is the most. It's such a mess, um, the middle of the film. Flabby. Bit of the middle of the film, yeah. The starts ace, the end is great. It's just the middle is a is a bit of a mess, and so it's no wonder we're getting confused with what's happened first. So yeah, this pro from this. Oh, we got a pro from Memphis coming, and he's a guy who wanders into it. You know, he's not a subtle hitman,
1: Johnny Cash.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he'll wander into a restaurant while you're eating some beans and sing you a song like I wrote that for you. Like, oh, great. That's kind of portentous. Yeah. <laughs> that might mean something in a bit. I wrote in my notes, uh, Emo
2: El Mariachi. <laughs> e Mariachi. <laughs> but apparently, again, in the extended cut, there's a lot more of him in there because I think he's really good. It's like, quite scary, isn't he? Yeah, it's this jarring thing. Like, He's clearly a comic book character. Right. Uh, I don't know if he is. He seems to be, to me. I think he is. Um, and then... Like jarring against this real world gritty violence thing that we're
0: going for. Like, it doesn't 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 mess at all.
2: Also, why didn't you just shoot him in the diner? Like,
0: (laughs) yeah, and then wax those clowns while you're at it. They're the only three people in there. (laughs) Do us all a favor.
2: I bet that poor actor did so much work for that role.
0: Oh, no, yeah,
2: yeah. And then he's like in one scene and then he chases after him in the car, which would be a stuntman anyway, and then he gets a knife in the neck.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's cool little knife. Like, But, you know, that scene actually, that chase scene, features one of the most stupid extras I can think of in oh, any film. Oh, the little
2: girl actually. with the football. Oh,
1: my God. Yeah,
0: an empty city block, but like, and she's decided, yeah, I'm just going to play football by the major junction, the major artery of this bridge. <laughs> I'm just gonna play it.
1: There's no houses. No, or anything. no, no, it's no reason like, for why is here. she that? It's so weird.
2: <laughs> that stinks of uh, rewrites and budgetary constraints. though, didn't it? it? Does, like yeah. it's just like I just need a reason for him to crash his car. But
0: like I mean, right? We we would love to be in the position as as filmmakers like Jonathan Hensley yeah. and so on and so forth. But when was it really the you know when you needed a reason for this cut for him to swerve? Was the best thing you could come up with in that setting a young girl with a football? But if if you're
2: rewriting it on the fly and you've got to deliver hit the scene in that day, or if you're two weeks away from shooting and half your budget disappears,
0: yeah, you're probably right. Man. This is the thing. This is what we're discussing, isn't it? And maybe you know, can you imagine if the girl was actually played by you know someone on set that day, just like hey, here's some sh- sports shorts and a football, just roll it out there and you know grab it, yeah, quick, yeah. quick, 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 quick. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that. Yeah, I think you're just like, oh
2: shit, this is going. We haven't got time to shoot this. It's right, I need him to crash his car and then I need the It's it's just a plot device more than anything, I think.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with you. A
1: granny with a trolley of cans would have been better.
0: Yeah, homeless person. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or a pothole. Oh no, it's not England, so can't, can't be. <laughs> Council politics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously, fix your roads, Warrington. Suffering. God's sake. <laughs> yeah, Warrington Council. S- Paging Warrington Council. Uh, yeah, the after. Um, yeah, Kevin Nash uh, does a Swanton bomb down the stairs. <laughs> With a burnt <laughs> face. Um, with a burnt face, um, Fouchon's lads come to visit. Um, Rob, and will you when stop with the in... hard
2: target references? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm absolutely
2: going to lose my mind in a minute.
0: <laughs> and, and they come into the room and, and uh, you know, Joan's taken Frank Castle down into like the, like there are some secreted, elevator area yeah. and um, Dave and Bumbo are in there and they couldn't look more guilty if they tried they look like the owner's just come home and found that they've eaten the sofa <laughs> you know there are a couple of dogs and they're, they're sitting there with fluff and suede hanging out the jaws and oh dear and then and Patton carries that whole scene and then obviously Foster goes for the swings for the fences during it's that there's a lot one.
2: of improv in that sequence apparently
0: right right cool cool
2: Um so yeah they just sit down and have an act off, don't they? Uh, and Quentin Chris proceeds to pull all of the uh <laughs> jewelry out of poor Dave's face.
0: Which is a lot. <laughs> yeah. And then he says at the end, really, really nicely, like, he'd have told us if if he knew. You know, like justifying it, like lovely ways. I loved it. That what I was really struck with in that scene was how sudden it was that Bumbo, um, that is his character name, was suddenly very au fait with violent death. Like he's just watched. <laughs> he's just watched Kevin Nash the Russian sailor get burnt to a crisp and sent down the stairs he's watched he's watched his mate get his piercings pulled out of his face and he's not said a damn thing
2: he's a psychopath
0: he's an I think Bumbo is the real villain of this movie (laughs) (laughs) He's honestly he's suddenly absolutely you know, do you want to say anything? Do you want to tell it? You I'll stop hurting you, mate, if you'll say something. Bumbo looks at the ground and thinks of Pavlova. <laughs> he's absolutely fine. He's not gonna say a word. He loves it. <laughs> um suddenly, like, and then after this bit, the film picks up and we're in the we're in the home straight. Yeah, yeah. And this flabby bit is gone and everything means something from this point and i'm really enjoying it and there's some funny stuff as well like we find out that Mick you know who is on castle side um he's just sort of like a jobs worth for the castles now isn't he uh, sorry not the castle the yeah. saints um and he does we find out he does Quentin Crisp's laundry <laughs> <laughs> I just find that so demeaning <laughs> handling Will Patton's grits <laughs> <laughs> he's Grundy. got the worst job of all the mobsters like, here's a sack of underpants and to keep on the underpants Tom, do you remember when oh this is
2: my favourite bit uh, of the whole film
0: need help with some underpants sir
2: go fuck yourself <laughs>
0: It's such a good moment. So yeah, (laughs) listener, when Will Patton gets called and they say, I'll meet you in a clothes shop, you know, because they're (laughs) blackmailing him because Castle's got some photographs of him kissing a dude. And uh, apparently, you know, I I guess this being uh, 2004, apparently uh, Howard St. would be upset with that, I guess. I don't know that's the motivation for that. Uh, but yeah. um, um and it's also uh, to Quentin prove... and Crisp doesn't
2: want uh, john Travolta to know that he's gay yeah which is quite ironic when you think about it <laughs> don't know why you think that James.
0: <laughs> i can I'm hear sorry. a thunk on the floor i think it's a court summons from the <laughs> church of scientology <laughs> i don't you know, know what so... you mean no no <laughs> moving with pace uh, so yeah so yeah. will patton's in the uh, in the clothes shop and it's the worst moment. I mean, it's the funniest line in retail history. Do you need help with some underpants, sir? Go if someone yourself. said that to me in Asda George, oh, they would be oh. getting a... Well, no, they'd be getting a massive handshake and a hug, probably. Oh. <laughs> um, yes. Oh, no, thank you. No, thank you very no, much. I'm, no, thank I'm you, right. but I did enjoy your, you know... Did also, my...
2: what shop? I don't care how fancy this shop is. What shop just has the rows of underpants just <laughs> folded nicely
0: on <laughs> Shelby. <laughs> mm. They come in two packs, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Castle rang up and said, like, I'll meet you in the hot couture underpants shop. <laughs> 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 now, how much you like your Gucci grits, Will Patton, that Mick obviously mm. looks after. <laughs> um, and then Patton goes home and... Um, Yeah, the the sting is all set up. And I actually really like Mick in this. Um, Nerdweed, Casey Affleck is good. Like, you know, he's quite oily about it. I like it. He's really snaky about it. Where he's like, um, but wait, wasn't she at the movies with, you know, oh, she was at the Wyndham Hotel. Well, that was where Quentin Crisp was. He doesn't say Quentin Crisp. And then, (laughs) you know, I quite like all that stuff. And then, you know, so Travolta's getting played by everybody. I love it. You know, he's not a normal bad guy, Travolta. Uh, and then, um, <laughs> yeah, but, but, Travolta goes to Patton's house. And again, the lighting is good. I, I love the lighting in Patton's house when he gets there. But there's a, it, it's a horrible scene. But it's uh, horrible in you know the, what's going to happen to Patton. He's going to kill him because he thinks he's sleeping with his wife. But Patton plays it really great. I loved it. I really like that scene. Yeah, he's he's in it. He's really he is, good. Isn't he?
1: Yeah, Patton's great. I think up until that point, he's actually the main villain. I think. I agree with he, you. I agree he carries all me. that baggage of a badass, and he's yeah. the one you kind of. He's the one in most contact with Frank Castle. He's the one who's causing all this grief to Frank Castle, and he is the villain up until that point. And then Travolta takes over
2: and goes mental. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, and the whole f- thing
2: about furniture that I didn't quite understand. He starts kicking all the furniture around and telling yeah, the story yeah, about yeah. something
0: or other. I think it's something that if we were more well-read in American literature, historical American literature, we might get it a bit more. But I don't think it was especially well-explained in the moment of the film. So I'm just like, uh, Travolta's got a beef because he's got a few extra chairs.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's what like <a> <laughs> I
1: like, And he stabs yeah. him in
0: front of the fireplace. <laughs> yeah. It's quite... a. A grim, like murder, oh, it is, isn't
1: it? Like it was kind of like
0: Herbie's in Dead Man's Shoes, toys, toys <laughs> with him, and then chives him right between the ribs. Yeah, a few times as well. Like proper, like <laughs> oh, it's bad. And and like and and Patton doesn't want it at all. He's like, You're killing Why are you me. killing me, you killing killing me, kill- man. Oh, it's good, it's good, it's good. I loved it all. And uh, you know, um, because I don't think you know Howard doesn't want to do it either. Don't want to do it. And then he goes he kind can't of from there. Yeah, he kind of does. Yeah, yeah. He can, does. <laughs> Um, he goes straight Stop from there. Oh, sorry, can we just Travolta? remember that? <laughs> uh, yeah, then Travolta goes and gets Liv, uh, Olivia, his wife, and chucks her off a bridge. Um, <laughs> under a train. Yeah, under a train, mm-hmm. which was harrowing. Um, and then we're into the Smackdown. Yep. So like, it's really like the, the, the lead up to the Smackdown is all um, Castle's plan paying off, which I really liked. And I liked all the actors involved. And it was all good. Enjoyed it. I
1: liked it, but I, I liked it, but I didn't because uh, Frank Castle's a bit of an horrible bastard, really. For saying that, but that's what the Punisher is. That's what the Punisher is. He's a, yeah,
0: yeah, a, yeah, happy. He, yeah, he, he doesn't don't yeah. play by the rules. No, no, no. A victim of a dreadful family barbecue. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but just like just before he gets to Travolta, right when he's in when. Uh, Castle's inside and he's just like laying waste to all his henchmen. That one poor guy he singles out to actually absolutely destroy shoots him in the foot with a shotgun so his foot just explodes and then stabs him in the bottom of the face under the chin. It's unnecessarily grisly. The knife comes... (laughs) Oh, God. It's really, really grim.
0: grim. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it because this guy... Has got very floppy grey hair, and he's be- and because you see that he was present at all the deaths in the, uh, you know, at the family barbecue. He was present at all of that. He was a big part of all of that. He was noticeable. So, yeah, I've got no problem with this guy getting a really bad comeuppance. It's what I wanted.
1: <laughs> yeah, he gets he gets a he gets three people's comeuppance in one go.
0: <laughs> yeah, he does actually do. <laughs> he does. It's a good setting for a shootout. The
2: Saints and Sinners nightclub.
0: Yeah, it's good. I like that setting, um, and the fact that downstairs is empty, and they yeah. call down for champagne, and he sends up that loaded ice bucket with like a grenade, like a mine. Yeah, in, it. in the dumb yeah. waiter. Yeah, I enjoyed that, and then um, the shrapnel on the walls when that went off was brilliant. You know, like a uh, you don't see t- enough shrapnel in films. I don't think <laughs> you know, <laughs> shredding through the scenery. You know. But, you know, the shrapnel did as much work on the scenery as Travolta did. <laughs> 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 um, and some really satisfying villain deaths. I mean, you've got arrows, knives, explosives, shotguns, machine guns, cheeky little oozies and nine mils. You've got everything going on here. He just doesn't punch anyone.
2: <laughs> oh, oh no no, he he's, no! He's not wasting he time punching anyone. And...
0: No no! He certainly doesn't kick anyone in the face with some pristine Timberlands either. Rob,
1: will you? Oh, oh my god! <laughs> Double figures on the on the hard
0: target. It, it's happened, yeah, Rob. Oh, actually,
2: it's gone no, out. No, right? It happened this is, weeks this
0: ago. Is, I, actually, I need to bring this up. I do need to bring this up. This is a hard target thing. Okay, I do need to bring this up. Oh, for the, for one of Sunday one Sunday. of the settings that they were thinking of this movie was New Orleans. Ah, that's one of the circle. one of the rumored settings that they were considering. Full circle. It, I know, full circle, and I didn't even need to crowbar that in much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, the son, uh, the other, what's the other guy? There's uh, g- generic named sons played by the same actor. There's,
2: yeah, basically, de-aged Ralph Macchio, who's still alive some time being. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, uh, yeah, he it makes him, you know, you're a strong kid, you know, this anti personnel, mine weighs eight pounds, you know, oddly precise. Uh, you hold this up, and he makes a little Home Alone trap for him, you know, yeah. and yeah, yeah, I loved all that stuff. I thought it was quite inventive, you know. He's
1: very
2: sadistic, isn't he? He is, he yeah.
0: He is
1: nuts. And I think that's the character. I think that's the it is, yeah. yeah. I think that's
2: probably true to the to the uh and this is probably the only time in the film that he does get really sadistic in the rest mm. of it you could sort of argue that he's kind of just defending himself. Yeah. Like, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's right, that's right. And there's a, the, the sadistic element when he gets that big paper cutter thing and drives it through a bloke's head.
2: But that's because he's looking after his mate. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That's he, after Dave I mean, gets all the stuff pulled out of his face and <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because he's
1: on patrol in the home way isn't he yeah, so he yeah, yeah, decides to get a yes. massive machete which I don't, why is that knocking around
2: Whose was that
1: wasn't that, well, that Goober's yeah. flat
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no it's on his
2: workbench he's using it for like I don't know modifying guns or whatever or you know Goober! just like getting a nice straight <laughs> getting a nice straight edge on his filing and what have you
0: yeah yeah he's, he's very meticulous you know oh. about us his... <laughs> how the
2: fuck are we still talking about this movie <laughs>
1: When the
0: uh, like, So
1: he goes outside, Travolta's there. This is the first time they come face-to-face in the whole film. Yeah. yeah, yeah. First time yeah. they come face-to-face, um, which I find quite weird.
0: I didn't realise that, but you're absolutely right. Uh,
1: excellent line as well, when um, Travolta says, looks at him dead in the eye and goes, you killed my son. And then you hear the explosion in the background. Oh, yeah, I love that. From the Home Alone trap you've just mentioned, Rob, and it blows up with the other son. And then he looks... Then goes back to Travolta and goes, both of them.
0: It's like, bam, Absolutely. bam, he's owned you, he's owned you. He's Travolta. done you. He's, he's, <laughs> you're sewn up. And he, and he says, like, you know, um, made you kill your best friend, made you kill your wife, and now I'm going to kill you. Oh, I, no, doesn't he say he used past tense? Now I've killed you. Oh, oh. oh yeah. They have
2: a lovely quick draw in the car park.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The
2: second one in the movie.
0: Yeah, and a lovely little pirouette from Travolta. A lovely little step over. <laughs> Works well on a podcast. Oh my god, me! Off. Oh my god! Uh, oh my god! And down dead. he goes, and his hair falls. Oh, he's uh, and it's just a horrible death. You know, he pulls some convenient uh, wires out from a car while he's don't know what they winded. do. Yeah, I don't know. What, I don't think anyway. No one needs that needs that amount of wires for brake lights. Seriously, <laughs> It's thick as a snake, um, and wraps it around his ankle, and then sets the car to drive off through a car park that's oddly full for a nightclub that's devoid of people and customers. It's across the street, to be fair. Oh, is might it?
2: For, yeah, yeah. Might be for something else. Yeah, he goes through a junk. <laughs>
0: Do I watch these films? Is that what happened? Do I actually watch this? Uh, and uh, and he go and it's a horrible death and it's played it's brilliant up until, you know, because there's like oh, we're gonna get to like because it does my head in so much unnecessary CGI they didn't need to do. Oh, basically what happens, so. listeners, is that the. All the cars in the lot are timed to explode at a certain moment and they show the Punisher logo, but obviously because they didn't have the budget to blow up that many cars, they show an overhead shot of a horrible computer-generated Punisher yeah, logo. It looks like, who
1: does he think he is? Neil Buchanan from Art Attack. Is he <laughs> <laughs> and
0: it's just it's it's awful because up to that. That's point... That's one like, of the American listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. find us keepers. Uh, he's now a bassist <laughs> in a rock band, by the way. Yeah, it, but up to that point, like, the death's horrible. And it's because it's a real dummy being dragged behind a flaming car. The dummy catches fire and it blows to pieces. And it's a horrible, horrible death. And then you pan back up and you've got this this ghastly, ghastly Punisher skull. And for me, it was a bit like, because this is the only time they use CG visibly in the whole film. Mm. And it was a bit like Jurassic Park for me. Like power in the wrong hands, like they're so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't oh stop thinking God. they should. Because <laughs> it, it was, it was grotesque, it was awful. Absolutely, yeah, it, lo- it was, it was, rude. it was a poor
2: CG shot. It was not akin to recreating
0: dinosaurs that had been dead for sixty-five million years. I'm not sure. I think if you boil it down to its essence, there's a great deal of similarities. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and thus uh, concludes
2: The Punisher no, Well afraid.
0: no I mean, We had that weird moment There's a f- weird flashback Of his Rob wife literally waving. going
2: through This minute by
0: minute <laughs> I am literally going like, There's a weird flash. I told you there were notes But he's, his wife is waving Is that a spirit in Saying a goodbye In a different dress though Like you've I don't never understand seen her this. In that dress is that her at the so pearly weird. gates, going like, "No, no, go so back, weird. go back, go murder loads of people, <laughs> go murder loads of people"? Because uh, he goes to
1: kill himself, doesn't he? And he, he does, stops
0: yeah. from the memory yeah. of
1: his dead wife.
0: Oh, jeez. Well, that that brings you know that brings us to the question, right? And we have we have gone to town on this one tonight. What <laughs> for your reconsideration, James? Do you reconsider it? Do you urge audiences to give us another chance?
2: Uh. It's, I'm still not sure, to be honest. Like, I think there is some good stuff in there. I think uh, th- the first act is really good, and then the third act has the catharsis of the big smackdown. Uh, there's some nice, you know, sort of as you say, practical sort of stunt work in there. There's even good bits in the second act, but it just becomes such a hodgepodge in the middle of the film. Really, yeah, like yeah. it's difficult. It's too long. I remember liking this more when I first saw yeah, it. Same, and then yeah, same. I was watching it uh yesterday. There's definitely some good stuff to enjoy that in within the film. It's not as bad as the reviews would have you believe by any stretch yeah. of the imagination. It's got a great central fair. performance by uh Tom Jane, uh some really good um action sequences throughout. Considering the budgetary constraints for this type of film as well, pretty pretty good. Um yeah, it's it's all right, I would say. I wouldn't say rush out and watch it, but definitely <laughs> if if it was on, you know, if I was like on a on a long haul flight or whatever and I had this like loaded up on my tablet or it's on the in-flight entertainment, I'd probably
0: watch it. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. So, si, what do you reckon?
1: Yeah, pretty much the same. Um do I think it's better than the Scores suggested originally, yes, absolutely. It's definitely better than 29 out of 100. I yeah, think. easily,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, would I recommend it to someone for a rewatch or even a first viewing? I'm not so sure I would. Having said that, I do think the film came out at a time when people were enjoying slamming John Travolta at every chance they got. <laughs> so maybe that's why it was so low. No, I don't know, I don't know. I yeah, I'm on the same side of the fence as James or is this on the fence as James? Um it's good. The thing what keeps the film's head above water is definitely Thomas Jane. Mm. It is a shame that he never got to do it again because uh it's a character he he clearly loved playing. Yeah. Um as that dirty laundry short he produced, yeah, and fund, I think he self funded it as well. Did he?
0: I think that it would be remiss of us not to mention that because Tom Jane clearly enjoyed playing this role and he um, was involved in a 2000, was it 12? Yes, he was, yeah. yeah, yeah, short called Dirty Laundry.
1: I'm pretty sure he, f- he funded it himself or Did like he? he was definitely involved in rounding up the cash to make it, right? Um, and it was just this. It was just a random short, wasn't
2: it, of him in a laundrette, and... Uh, have you watched it recently? I watched, yeah, I watched it this it afternoon. Today, yeah. It's so violent, honestly. It's very violent. It, it goes it? to town. More violent than this entire film, yeah. I would say. Oh, yeah. I'd
1: agree with yeah. you, yeah. The, he's got a, he, he fights them off with a Jack Daniels bottle, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. An indestructible Jack Daniels bottle.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: and I think that short, that was sort of his audition to try and get another film slash TV series. Unfortunately, that didn't pan out for him and it, it went to Netflix with um, John... What, how do you pronounce his name? John
2: Berthold. Ferron Hall, I think is how you say it. This was the second Punisher film, but this is the fourth person... Uh, you know, there's been four people that had a crack at it. Yeah. yeah. So Tom Jane... Uh, Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren back in the eighties.
0: I can't believe we've not mentioned that yet.
2: <laughs> Ray Stevenson in the War Zone mm. uh, yeah. reboot, and then John Berenthal, which everyone seems to say is the best uh, version of it. So I'll I'll take their word for it, given they're probably more learned on it than me. But I think he's quite a one-dimensional character overall that perhaps doesn't lend himself to franchises although yeah. somehow Netflix have got 26 hours out of it I have no yeah. idea how Well I'm
1: I'm like <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm some sort of comic book expert I used to love all that stuff when I was a kid and watched cartoon the Spider-Man cartoons I spoke about before quite a lot and it's because he's a fan favourite. It's the whole yeah. Boba Fett thing. Yeah, yeah. That's why they're so desperate to get him into films and get him into yeah. TV series because he, he is a fan favourite.
0: And he's got quite an iconic look as well. You know, his yeah, he look did. is quite sort of visually friendly. But, but he's, not he's, not, he's not a superhero, is he, by any stretch. He's, got, he's, no, he's, he's a bloke with a load of guns.
2: Yeah.
1: No. He's just a dude with guns and a, a little, his little sidekick, because his sidekick didn't feature in the film. Yeah. So they, did, so they did clearly set up for sequel. the way it ended with that really yeah. horrible, uh, stabilised shot at the end. Yes, yeah, a dodgy shot bridge. that, isn't it? Really yeah. bad Yeah,
0: shot. yeah. And, and mercifully no music over that, though. So. Yeah. Well, that's you know, like and then a some good, crisp new that's metal,
2: metal <laughs> kicking <laughs> <the>
0: credits. <laughs> yeah. Probably a
1: good thing for the side of So I, I think this is one where we're all on the fence, isn't it, really?
0: Well, no, well, I, Rob, I, how about you? Yeah, I... Um, oh, look. You know that um, I will embrace a film with flaws, no trouble at all. Um, But I actually quite enjoy, you know, I enjoy definitely enjoy talking about the flaws. I think this film is all about Thomas Jane and Will Patton. I think they're brilliant in this. Yeah, they're good, yeah. I like so much about it. I don't like quite a lot of it as well. (laughs) Um, But I'm happy to balance it between the two and say, look, you know, if you... um, I'm not going to mention that film, James. Don't worry about it. But if you're in a particular frame of mind where you would like, you know, a movie that features gunplay and revenge and bad guys getting the comeuppance, you can do so much worse than this, seriously. And as a lesson for doing things practically, that's probably the thing I enjoyed most out of watching this again after a few years was seeing the practical effects, seeing how um, real you could make a film look by not doing it in a computer and doing it actually um, on set. You know, so I really enjoyed that. I really, really enjoyed that. Um, And yeah, I think, you know, anything that Tom Jane is in is going to be watchable, I think, for me. Um, So yeah, I'm going to say, if you've never watched it, do check it out. If you've watched it already, you're probably not going to find anything that changed your mind from your original opinion. And it's probably the best way to put it. Yeah, I think so. Probably the best way to put it. Um, But definitely what I would say, reconsider, is if you've seen it, um, reconsider the short Go and check that out if you've not Mm, seen it, because that is really worth a look at. Yeah, Um, and it's just because it's a nice compliment to this. Um, and shows a little bit of just how nasty I think Thomas Jane would have liked to have taken this, actually. Yeah. That about wraps it up. Thank you for listening. Please hit us up with feedback on Twitter at FYRFilmpod or email at reconsiderpod at gmail.com. Uh, whatever it is you're listening to us on, if you've enjoyed it, please help us out with a like, subscribe, five-star rating, whatever it is that will help us grow and reach new listeners. Until next time, uh, say goodbye, boys. Bye-bye. See ya. Goodbye. That was lovely outro that was, Rob. It
1: was great.